welcome to Lessons She Learned, where we have conversations about different life lessons that we learn every single day. This entire arsenal of content is designed to help you really quick just find what you're looking for, digest it, help you process it so that you could do whatever other thing you need to get to. Sometimes we need to solve the problem in our mind before we could go ahead and solve the problem before us. And so I'm excited for this content uh, to kind of be a tool to help you go ahead and do that. Today's topic um, that we will be breaking down is you're in charge now. Um, I think the thing that made me so interested in wanting to record this episode um, was the fact that I actually am constantly in this state of like parenting my new daughter, she's one and a half, and then having to also take many, many moments to parent myself. Um, and parenting myself in the sense that by the time your parents are relatively done, um, like kind of teaching you the basics, teaching you the foundation, they've taught you enough, um, in most cases to be able to kind of like function. They teach you enough to make sure that you are competent and able to kind of care for yourself. Um, in at minimum, you're probably able to figure out what else is required. And so there comes a point where the little things, the small lessons, um, the assumption is that you have the ability to at least learn what else needs to happen and you'll take care of those things for yourself, right? And so in mothering myself or parenting myself, um, I am not necessarily doing the job my parents didn't do. I'm doing the part of kind of growing up that I'm personally now responsible for. And I think the only reason I'm kind of like thinking so thoughtfully about it or thinking so intently about it is because I'm actually mothering really close, in my personal opinion, um, to my childhood years. So I am 27. Um, I got married about two, three, two two years ago at this point. Um, and I became a mother, obviously, shortly thereafter, my daughter's one and a half. And so it took me a really long time to kind of like uncouple from that immature, constantly needing something, always having a question, not feeling sure or secure about anything. It took me a while to kind of come from un- from underneath that. I feel like my parents did a fantastic job as far as like actually sheltering me, um, keeping me safe, making sure that I had what I need and making sure that I was protected. I did not want to be out here in these adult streets. Like I I was content where I was, but it was, I had to kind of just like grow up, lean into that. And so now what I'm learning about myself is, and what I'm learning about how to, how to love another human and how to raise and rear another human is actually requiring that I kind of like fill in some of the gaps. Even while I was pregnant, um, there were a lot of things that I was like, I need to figure that out before she gets here. I need to start to work through that before she gets here. Um, because there are certain things or certain degrees to which you kind of want to be healed and whole before you start trying to teach healing and wholeness to another person. Or even before you start putting um, your ability or 
like exerting your ability, your effort and love, your best, before you start giving that to somebody else, you might want to, you know, check the quality of it. And so I felt like I did a lot of that kind of before she got here. And so I think that what I realized was that a lot of the places where I was still sharp, a lot of the places where I still felt undone or underdeveloped were things inside of like my heart and my mind that I felt like I protected or kept away from family and friends. And so whenever you, whenever I'm looking at an area of myself that's not developed, the first thing I have to think about is who else has had access to this part of me that's so raw and so undone and so uncut. And, and now that I have, you know, spent these months or these years with that part of me away from people, away from the public, what do I now need to do to make sure that that area starts to become less sharp and less rugged and is now no longer serving as an area for me to kind of slip up and, and either be sharp to other people or even be sharp and harm myself with. Um, and so there are three areas where I had to kind of like really smooth out the edges. One of the first areas um, was loving and honoring myself despite performance and production. Now, I used to have a real a real serious issue with my work ethic. I really wasn't trying to break a, a sweat trying to get things done out here. I really wasn't putting my all in in order to make it excellent or what I imagined that it could be. It would just be done and then haphazardly so. But once I started to work through that, I realized what was happening. Earlier in life, going to a high, to, to so many high performance schools, I started to associate my production, my performance, my recognition with my worth. Um, and so I did that for a really long time. Once I got a little bit older, I started to, at some point, resent it. And then I started to pull back that worth, maybe because I thought it wasn't being recognized enough or whatever the case was. Fast forward to going back and unearthing um, work ethic and skill sets and, you know, being serious and committed to production, I started to have a healthier relationship with the actual activity, but I started to have too much of a to like place too much pressure on myself to produce or to perform just so I could, for example, feel like I deserved rest or so that I could feel proud of myself or so that I could feel productive. For for years, I I gauged the stability of my life on how productive I felt. And I had to realize that I deserved the care and the concern no matter my performance or production. Now, are there standards of performance and production that I I like to you know go, no, go ahead and meet? You know, one so you could get the job done, so you could obviously bring in income. But am I able to still honor myself when there's nowhere I need to perform intensely right now, or when my success in an environment isn't based on production? Maybe it's based on relationships. Maybe it's based on how well I'm hearing something. Maybe it's based on the quality of my contribution, and and now. I can feel like something is still good despite what I originally used to use to grade myself. 
Um, and what this actually ended up doing was giving me more time and space to not just be busy. Because when you primarily grade yourself off of performance and production, you are in a constant state of movement, of action, of activity. Even things that are supposed to be good or good for you or fun, they're no longer they're not even fun anymore because you've turned them into work. And it would be so crazy how like the most casual, like most chill situations all of a sudden feel like a job because of the way that I'm thinking about things. My husband, he he used to tell me all the time like stop making this a job, just have fun, just enjoy yourself, just enjoy the work, just just enjoy the process, just enjoy the experience. But I really didn't know how, and I had to start to lean into that for myself because I was making life all of life feel that way. All of life felt like work. But loving and honoring myself meant dialing that back a little bit and starting to create healthy levels for even the things or the even the areas that I considered myself um, to be proficient in. So that was the first place where I kind of started to need to smooth out the areas that I felt like nobody else could reach, nobody else could touch. And so I had to I had to do what I had to do with with that area of myself. The second area where I felt like I had to go ahead and develop myself a little bit more was in creating a standard of discipline and structure so that I could experience the freedom I'm desiring. One of the I was listening to um, an interview earlier today. It was a Kobe interview, and it was talking about how it was after he had started to transition out of the league. And he, you know, was talking about the process of just writing a story. And the person who was interviewing him is also writing a, was writing a book at the time. And he was talking about how he keeps a very, they both keep very like rigid schedules. So, you know, they, they wake up, they do X, Y, Z, they spend X, Y, Z time writing, you know, pick up kids from school, you know, go back to it, start writing some more. And, you know, someone had asked one of them, you know, what if you're not inspired <laughs> when, when it's time to go ahead and do that work? What if, what if, what if, you know, you get an idea at this other time or this other time and the moment they had together, both the interviewer and Kobe, they were talking about how because of the stability of the structure, you are able to be more creative because you're not just being creative um, when you sit down to write, but when you go about living life and those things come to you. Similarly, when a person wants to feel freedom, what a person is saying is, I want to be able to move with freedom of time. I might want to move with the freedom of resources. But the thing that gives you the freedom of time or the freedom of resources is to have the discipline and the structure and the work you need to do. Um, and I realized that Real self-care is discipline of myself. Real self-care is structure. Real self-care is is not waiting until you're empty to refill again. Real self-care is giving yourself the boundaries to say, hey, we're going to, this is the time for work. This is, you know, these are your times to to enjoy yourself. This is the time, you know, to, to really take advantage of like hanging out with friends and being able to, you know, go away and do what you would like to do. But the structure 
and the discipline and the consistency are the things that help unearth freedom. And so I used to think, man, you know, wake up when I want to do work, however, bruh, when I did stuff like that, when I tell you I got nothing done, and the crazy thing is I felt less free because I didn't have that kind of guide to be able to say, okay, so I know when I'm done. I know when I reach completion here in this environment, on this task or on this project, but giving myself a standard for discipline and structure that I set, that I say, you know, is according to my goal, help create different areas and opportunities for freedom in my own life. And I was so used to kind of letting someone else's word be above mine. I was so used to like, for example, I would show up late to lunch. I would show up late to brunch. I would show up late to dinners and and all these things. Um, But when someone said, you have to be at work at a certain time, I was there. Why is it that when someone else gives me an instruction, I'm willing to bend over backwards to, to meet that instruction. When a client is talking about all the things that they want and, you know, all those things, when they're talking about what has to happen or what 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 it is we're going to do moving forward, why is it that I could do that in a work environment? But when it comes to my personal self and my personal work, all of a sudden the rules are different. And so I had to have a standard that I kept and that was stable and consistent so that I can continue to produce at a high level so I could experience the freedom I'm desiring in the different areas of my life. And so the uh, last one that I'm going to be going over um, that helped me start to really like nurture myself well and start to help me soften some of those like sharp edges or uh, rough corners is learning how to live by a biblical standard and disqualifying voices that don't submit to that. There are so many people who I straight up love. Like I straight up love, I really do admire them. Like my heart is with them. You know, when they're doing something, all I wanna do is support, I'm buying whatever it is that they're selling. You know, I'm championing, championing, whatever it is that they're working on. Um, But one of the things that I didn't realize um, is that I didn't qualify or disqualify voices as a child. Adults are adults, and and when adults have authority, um, they kind of just have it. (laughs) A teacher walks into the classroom, you're you're not thinking about the qualifications of that adult. Uh, when uh, your professor walks into the classroom, it t- it was a while before I started to be like, what did what is it that you've actually accomplished um, within or outside of academia that qualifies you to be in this environment, having this conversation with you, and having this conversation with me? And so, it wasn't until recently when I realized that a lot of people kind of speak with confidence, a lot of people present well, a lot of people are well-spoken and and, and present well and things of that nature. But I had to realize everybody is not leading and guiding themselves according to these specific principles. These are the principles that keep me full, keep me focused, keep me on track. And I'm realizing now that I can't let anybody with a voice just come up here and speak to me like we're supposed to be under this same authority that you created for yourself. What is my actual standard for 
who whose voice I can listen to? What is the standard for someone who is able and allowed to go ahead and guide me? Um, I remember <laughs> um, my husband, he was talking, he was talking about something. And I didn't really know if he knew what he was talking about when we was talking about this. And he was like, listen, I know what I'm doing. Follow me as I follow Christ. Um, his mentor um, <laughs> is a pastor. And he says it to him all the time. And so he says, follow me as I follow Christ. And what's always so crazy about that, what's always so interesting about that is that even in the Bible, it actually says this, but in the event that my husband wants to stray away from what it is Christ says ought to be done, what is consistent, what is safe, what is productive um, for our household, I'm actually not to follow him anymore. I'm to then just follow Christ explicitly. Now, that's already my responsibility, but as co-laborers and partners, I'm also listening to him. I'm listening to him because he's the head of this household. He's supposed to be guiding, covering, protecting. And so at the end of the day, in the event that he is no longer fit, I know that I still am being led by the same God under the same authority. And so I am constantly not holding you know, my favorite people up to the light of my heart. I'm holding my favorite people up to the light of the word, the standard of the word to be able to dictate what life looks like and how we move forward with this. And this is different because I used to really depend on how people's words make me feel until I realized that people can say a lot of sweet nothings to you to, to make you feel good, to make you agree. Um, but at the end of the day, there are certain things that according to the way that I've committed my life, like according to the way that I'm orienting everything that I do and all that I am, there are certain areas of me that still need to be reformed and refined in so many different ways. And so I can't just be out here listening to anybody's voice. I had to learn how to hold that standard, that light to words I say and words other people say before I just go ahead and blindly submit to that. Um, and blind submission um, is dangerous. Blind submission can be something that puts you in a, an environment or a situation you really don't want to be in. Um, and it runs the risk of putting you un, in danger and keeping you uncovered um, by constantly submitting to a voice um, that shouldn't have our ear or our attention, let alone in the authority. Um, and so I had to start being honest about what I was submitting to and whether or not it was appropriate for it to have any authority over me whatsoever. Um, and so that just means everybody with a platform can't always speak to where I'm supposed to be. Everybody who has something to say might not be talking to me. And I think that's low-key weird that that's like, for me, something new. Everybody with a voice ain't talking to me. Ain't talking, ain't giving me an instruction. And it's so crazy because sometimes when we see different things and they pop up at different times, we'd be like, man, you know, this must be for me. I'm seeing it. And it might be for our consideration. It may, it may be for our exposure, but it isn't always for our instruction. And that is something um that I, I have had to grow through and mature through that concept because when you're so used to having 
that boss, that teacher, that professor, that supervisor, and then you come into a space where there all of a sudden seems to be this designed hierarchy, you could start feeling like, man, they're telling me about how to do this. Um, They're giving me instructions on how to do this. They're telling me about what it is that I ought to apply. But both in the communities of spaces that I mentioned, as well as in social spaces, there's reason to pause, qualify or disqualify the voice, and then proceed with the wisdom and the discernment (laughs) that we need in order to to decide, okay, what's next for me? Um, And so that is the end of today's episode of You're in Charge Now. You're in charge of of what you submit to. You're in charge of your healing. You're in charge of uh, how whole you actually feel. You're also in charge of what you submit to. And so I hope that like one, knowing the fact that people are out here finishing themselves up in this way is something that like makes you feel a little bit better about the work that you're doing on yourself. You're not, you know, working on yourself just because you're undone or somebody didn't finish you. Everybody is doing the finishing work of the process. There's not even another person who could even keep up with how much you've lived through, how much you've worked through. You're the only person fit right now to go ahead and do that work on you because of where you are in your development. And same here. Um, People had their hands on us for a little while. There's still going to be some people who have our their hands on us. Um, our our pastors, uh, who else? Our therapists, you know, and even the people who love us most, our, our, our siblings, our spouses, and our significant others and things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, you're in charge of doing that work. And you're also in charge of who you surround yourself with, who is helping you do that work. And we're supposed to be kind of going through picking those people um, with discernment and with clarity so that we end up better off in the end than we were when we first started. You just finished an episode of Lessons She Learned and How You Feel. Do you feel like you learned something new? Do you feel like, you know what, I think I might have what I need to do exactly what I need to do today? Awesome. Well, if you did, if you love this episode, I want you to go ahead and hop into hop into that little area where we do our ratings. Wherever you listen to podcasts, I would love to go ahead and get that rating just so more people who are interested in content like this can honestly just go ahead and find it. Find out that they're in the right place. Find out that they're around the right people. And so that's the point of that. But also, your favorite point, your favorite uh, thing that was said, I would love for you to go ahead and screenshot that, note that, tag me. I will reshare you. I'm so grateful. Anytime anyone is saying, hey, this information helps me. This content really helped me work through this. And I want to know. I want to know how it impacted you. And so go ahead, tag me on Instagram at Zania E. Blue. Uh, the spelling is in the show notes because, you know, you know how that goes when people spell it any way they want to. But <laughs> I'll see you next time. And I'm excited to share even more about what I have learned.